Hey everybody, what is going on? My name is DJ and this is the Restaurant Growth Podcast presented by Seven Shifts. On this show, we sit down with the best minds in the hospitality business to bring you new insights and big ideas to help your restaurant grow. I'm joined today by Phil Crawford, the Chief Technology Officer of CKE Brands, better known as the parent of Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. And Tech Heads, this one is for you. We get into all things customer loyalty and how to make sure that you're using technology to enhance the employee and customer experience and not replace the human element of hospitality. Phil also has some big ideas and insights into the future of restaurant tech, things like artificial intelligence, um, which made for what I think was a really optimistic conversation. And it got me excited and inspired for the future of food, and I think it will for you all as well. So with that, here is Phil. Phil, how are you today? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for making the time coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, as always. Absolutely. Today on the show, we have Phil Crawford, CTO at CKE Enterprises, otherwise known as Carl's Jr. and Hardy's Restaurants. Phil, how did you get started in this business? You know, it's in my blood. It's I've been doing this since I was 15 years old as a little old guy in Southern California. So it's my first job, ironically, was at Carl's Jr. inside the restaurant industry. So you can see I've really come full circle. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I've always been involved in the hospitality industry, in particularly restaurants, and then shifted towards the technology side as part of restaurants and hotels. And the rest is history. You know what they say? It's either you love it or you hate it. And I definitely love it. Definitely love it. What was that first role at uh, Carl's Jr.? Um, I think I ran the gamut back then. You know, back in the, <laughs> I won't date myself here, but particularly I had salad bars, baked potatoes. And I think it was from a cashier to, a, to grill, to fry, to drive through like anything you possibly could, you know, starving 15 and a half year old, got to get his first car at 16, got to get some, got to get some money and just kind of fell in love with the industry after that. Very nice. I think the, the baked potato there might've, might've done the dating for you, but um. yeah, I probably, well, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure my colleagues and peers are listening saying salad bar. Wow. That wasn't back until the, that decade. I'm like, great. Thank you. I appreciate there that. There you go. Uh, but yeah, so how, how did you jump from, uh, then from going from actually working in the restaurant to the technology side of business, something you studied in school or was it more of a natural jump? Actually a little bit of both. So school, obviously through college and then in, and in uh, past college, post-college and graduate school, but also kind of just always a tinkering. Like my parents always kind of threw technology and computers in front of me. So again, I'm going to date myself. When the first generations of Commodore 64s or big, you know, big 28s or the first Apple IIs came out, my mom was a school teacher. And saw the value of, of technology and computers. And ever since then, it just was engrilled in me. And my father, uh, who was a geologist, you know, was a was biology and chemistry and obviously technology back then as well. So kind of growing up in that new era of technology just kind of was instilled in my, my core values. And then it just carried over to the restaurants. And then throughout college education and then obviously through my career path. Very cool. So what did that career path in restaurant technology, where did that begin? So it actually started actually in college. So okay. believe it or not, in college, it was, hey, I didn't want to be just a typical server or a waiter or a bartender. I kind of wanted to be on the back end side. And so working for a different couple of hotel companies when I went to Arizona, really understood how the property management systems work, the food and beverage systems work, and kind of tinkered with that at the same time as being, you know, working in the front office and back office. It's kind of where it all started. And then going through the education and through business and then, you know, CIS or computer information systems, it kind of just married together there. And then getting out of it, I worked for the, I worked on the, the vendor supply side first, but I never actually worked on the operations side. So it was more of like the micros, the HSIs, the apogents on the technology solutions providers, and then made the, the visual flip to the business side and working in the technology's leadership and strategy. 
So tell me a little bit more about your current role now um, at CKE and what that looks like in the day-to-day and, and what you're overseeing. Sure. You know, as a CTO of CKE, it's, it's kind of a broad stroke. We're really trying to become technologically relevant as a QSR brand. And my role in anything from foundational work from point of sale to networks, but also more of the strategy stuff with AI and machine learning, really kind of take the brand forward. Working with my partners in the leadership team, you know, primarily Chad Crawford, no relationship, by the way, and our chief brand officer, and really kind of to bring this digital world to our consumers. And so really it's thinking stuff of what our competitions done right and done wrong, and only kind of forge ahead of what makes best for us, but fits our brand. Because it's so easy to go and say, I want to be like Chick-fil-A. I want to go be like XYZ company. But you really can't be. You kind of have to see how it falls in your own ecosystem, but also your own culture and, and how actually your guests want to work with you in those different those new mediums. And so really that's kind of where the strategy and the leadership come together. So not so much looking to what other folks are doing, but looking within, seeing how, knowing that you want to be technologically there like the other brands are, but not doing it in the same way that they are. Yeah, because, you know, everybody, again, everybody can always go and say and, and read the NRN or different applications that are out there on the, on the net that says, hey, this company is doing this and this company is doing that. But sometimes it's great for them, but not good for us. So we have to really look at our own DNA and say, we're really about the, we're really about the quality of our product in the QSR segment. We really want to take care of our employees. We really want to have the best guest experience. And sometimes a little actually means a lot more. Sometimes more is less, you know what I mean? Or less is more, depending on how you actually look at the equation. And everything that we do really has to look at a 360 view because we're a heavily franchise organization versus just corporate. So having that buy-in is extremely important, but also really running it through its <laughs> the cars in the background. I know, but, but, all good. <laughs> but really having it run, run through the gamut is, is the key to our success. Test, 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 and make sure you get right before it goes to market. What were some of the things that, you know, you looked to as part of, you know, CK, the core values of the brand and how that translated into some of the um, technologies that you're using? Yeah, really, it's about exceeding the customer experience, right? We kind of had this premise going in, in our business as we looked at technology is how to create a frictionless environment for our guests. We want to be able to allow them to interact with us on their own terms on the, by their own means. Typically in the past, we never had a digital ecosystem. So it was always through a drive through or walk-up counter. So when we decided to go ahead and rebuild that entire platform digitally, is how do we have those same steps for our consumers that make it easy for them, right? That's first and foremost. And then second of all is listen to the consumer of what they want. And so we did a lot of actual regression testing and take, taking some individual insights in order to build the ecosystems we have in place. But even more importantly, listening to our employees, listening to our franchisees, because they're your best advocates and they're also your best adversaries at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of those things and one of those technologies um, is a loyalty program, which I've really kind of seen an, a huge explosion in the past few years. I remember just a couple of years ago, I was working in coffee shops um, and the extent of, of loyalty program at a QSR was a punch card. Um, you know, you buy five cups of coffee, 10 cups of coffee, you get a free cup of coffee. Um, but now everyone has an app. Everyone has a loyalty program. Uh, what's been behind that surge, in your opinion, from your perspective, these past few years? You know, I, th I think it's the advent of the consumer becoming smarter with technology. Everybody has a smartphone. Or I should say most people have a smartphone nowadays, right? And then leveraging the convenience of having that information at your fingertips. I mean, how often people carry a, a pocket full of cash and cards anymore, right? It's all on their phone. 
and vice versa. We've all been there in the past. Heck, I probably still have punch cards as well that I've never used and redeemed. If I can digitalize it, right? And then I can, more importantly, from a consumer standpoint, have it at my fingertips, it's great. But from the business standpoint, now I can really understand that consumer because they're giving me their data. They're giving me their habitual habits. They're letting me take real estate on a very valuable device. So I have to honor that and hold it true so I can understand how to engage with them on their terms. And naturally, the pandemic has has exacerbated and accelerated, I should say, that shift towards the phone. Um, And I think a lot of brands have revamped their loyalty programs uh, in the past few years, um, for sure. What's that been like um, with you guys? Well, interesting is we never had a loyalty program. So we didn't have to revamp it. I know, (laughs) wow is the right word when I I said the same thing. Never, ever? Not even a punch card? We had some SMS things, but that was independent franchisees. But no, so having nothing and coming into a digital age was a lot easier for the adoption of the consumer. I, I, it's funny. If you ask the question, would you ever do a punch card you know, or a digital ecosystem five years ago, you probably have a different answer. But nowadays, because people have shifted so well, if we were to launch tomorrow with a punch card, we'd be laughed at, right? Like right now, it's all about that, that synergy with the guest because the, the technology solutions that are out there really are so robust. They can do anything you want from a QSR standpoint or a restaurant standpoint, but you can also make it more simplified and defined just for your organization. Like our campaigns are stars, hence happy our star logo makes sense. You know, it's a very simplistic program. And the idea behind that is to make it simplistic for the guests to use. There's no reason to overcomplicate it. Yeah. And it's familiar with what they're looking for. Um, it's maybe similar enough to other programs that it doesn't seem like it's all this crazy thing, but it's very much still, um, you know, with the brand. Yeah, it's an earn and burn, right? The more you spend, the more stars you get, the more you're redeemed, right? And you get rewards. And we also tend to offer. So if you join our My Rewards program, you get, a, you get special offers on the digital ecosystems only, the digital platforms. And the idea of you want to reward our guests for coming back and being you know, being patrons. And they think really that's the, that's the genesis why you see so many different restaurant chains moving to that, that system. They want to reward their guests, but there's also monetary financial gain as well. They want people to come back more and transact with us more or invite them to come back during different off periods and give them incentive, incentives to do so. I mean, we're not coffee, right? I'm not having my Starbucks three times a day. And that's a habitual purchase. You know, we want to drive folks to come back and experience the different parts of our day parts than that used to. Absolutely. Yeah. And just thinking about that too, um, you know, thinking about like how different brands approach things differently, you know, Starbucks has their stars system and, you know, I can add my syrups and I can customize my drink with my stars. And that's very much a Starbucks thing um, to do. Um, Are you doing anything similar with, with your brand or is it mostly um, just like stars and, you know, simple, like you said, earn and burn? It's, it's, Simple earn and burn to start. Again, it's so new. We just launched it on March 23rd. So, I mean, we are six weeks into this, right? And, and it's, it's learn, 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 and learn. But more importantly, it's listen, listen, listen. So our guests have been amazing fans of it and are giving us amazing feedback so we can make the proper shifts in the future. There are things down the lines that our, our digital IT and marketing teams might want to come out with. Like if you're my rewards le- level two, for instance, maybe you get free bacon on every burger. Like, I don't know. Who doesn't love bacon? Right. Incentives <laughs> that you potentially might do. Out of the gate, we're going to keep it simple and move forward after that. But I think that if you look at the trajectory of where loyalty systems go, especially for our brand, it's kind of the oyster is our world. We can do almost anything now because we can understand the guest and what they want. And we can also then 
really target it down to the geolocation standpoint by a zip code and really understand of what regions like what, what regions don't like other things. Yeah. And so just, it really shows that digital loyalty programs are, are good for both the consumer, you know, it's a natural, easy thing to do, getting rewarded, but it also benefits you guys in a huge way, knowing what people want um, and getting that data. So what are some of the things that you're beginning to see? What type of rewards are, are driving, like, you know, making people or driving guest satisfaction? Um, you know, what's helping people increase their frequency or, or check average and things like that? So I alluded to a couple of them. Obviously, when you first were to sign up, we were giving you away a, a free burger, like a BOGO, buy one, get one, which is a really big incentive. Um, additionally, what we're seeing is the off-peak star reward or double dar, double dar, double star days. Okay. Right? Is, a, is, a really, is a really good driver of guest frequency. I also think that people just like the fact that they can finally be rewarded for their purchases. We had a lot of transaction guests that came in every day. Especially in the Hardys and Carls, and now they can get rewarded for their everyday purchases. Some of the other things too is you know special ten percent off digital orders get rewards. Like there's all these different nuances that Jason Seeley and April Fevler, who run that department, have really started to pull on and find out what works, what doesn't work, and that's where you can figure out how you can build campaigns and and engines in the future to really drive consumer sentiment. Absolutely, and just. You know, giving people that that satisfaction, and and like you said, I'm sure there's a lot of people that say, "Can I can I retroactively get SARS for the past uh, number of years that I've been visiting?" Yeah, <laughs> and we also made it easy too, right? We we out of the gate made the ability if somebody were let's say people were to order, they forgot their their phone, or they walked in and they said, "Hey, oh my gosh, I didn't order the phone." We still get an ability to scan the receipt and get the rewards after the fact. Ah, right. Very, nice. very simplistic things that some of our competition has done because. People, people make mistakes and they forget things, number one, but also we want to make sure they get rewarded for their, their, their habitual habits and purchases. So we built it both ways. That's very cool. Delete scanning the receipt of you know, maybe I left my phone at home or I left my phone in the car. People don't really leave their phone at home anymore. That's like, they, you know, they don't. That used to be a thing. I used to do that all the time. But uh, or like, you know, the wife calls you and says, hey, go pick up, kit, pick up the food and you drive the drive to make, oh, I should order by the app. Well, don't worry about it with us. You can get your points up. Ah, very cool. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, folks are not doing that. So, Kudos to you on that. I bet that makes the, the guest experience a lot better. Um, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of, um, you know, just curious with loyalty programs like this one, um, what are you seeing some kind of maybe the myths surrounding them or, um, you know, where can they maybe go wrong either for the guest experience or for the, the restaurant itself? You know, from a technology standpoint, I don't think there's really anything wrong that could be done. I think much more about the campaigns and, and the cannibalization, I think a lot of people think that loyalty programs are going to cannibalize sales because people are coming anyways, so why give them something? Or vice versa, some brands think they're too good for loyalty programs. They don't need to have a loyalty program. Well, I think in, in, the, in the day and age of the consumer that has so many choices out there, right? you kind of have to do something. But more importantly, I think from the technology side of it, I really want to learn my understand my guest is. Because it's not just about offering somebody guests, it's also how it drives product innovation and site location, right? And how we build restaurants and how we engage with guests. That to me is really the crux of loyalty. It's all about getting the data and understanding who our people are we want to take care of. It's also kind of cool too from an employee engagement standpoint in this, in this day and age of our, of, our, of our labor crisis, we'll call it in the, in the, in the restaurant industry, those brands that are evolving in technology and may have loyalty programs or may have other digital ecosystems that have turned up, be kind of the cool place to hang out and work for. 
So it's kind of a, it's kind of a catch 22. Um, I think the number one thing people need to watch out for, for loyalty. And again, I kind of alluded to it earlier, just keep it simple, right? There's such complexity you can build with these, but the average consumer doesn't want complex. They want simple. And just making it easier for them to use frictionless, like you mentioned early on, you know, and apps of course are, are the best way to do that. But um, also giving them, like you had mentioned just before too, like ways to, to different ways to approach it. If they need to scan the receipt or, you know, getting things like that um, to make sure that their loyalty is, is honored. Correct. And I also think a tangent on that is also, if you look at the consumer that emails you or contacts you via the app, there's a loyalty program where it says, I didn't get my stars. I had a bad experience. I now have that one-to-one relationship with them and you have a better opportunity to, to make them happy once again, no pun intended with the happy. Um, but with loyalty programs, I understand who you are. Without a loyalty program, you may never come back because I have no way to re-engage with you. In these ways, we actually do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think too, it it's almost the loyalty programs. Not only are they giving people a better experience, they're really helping the, the business. It's almost like you can't not do it from a data standpoint in the QSR space. You have to do it in our space. I think I, I almost say any restaurant that wants to understand the data and understand how consumers interact with them have to have a program to capture that information. Right. And you can't just ask people for that data, right? No, you can't because you know, <laughs> the privacy laws that are out there right now, they want to be rewarded because your data is worth something. Absolutely. Right. And that's been very, very well, you know, tried and true with Apple or Nike, you know, or Amazon. Like I, I, I love the days in the future I can walk into a retail store. I won't name the brand. And I hit, they know exactly because of my apps on their phone. They know exactly who I am. They walk up and say, hey, Phil, good to see you again with some kind of facial recognition. Here's your entire history. And I never have to really do anything. They know everything more about me than I know about myself. Like that's where this all needs to get to in the crazy science fiction days we're going to live in in the future. But that truly is like the next generation loyalty. Absolutely. And I do want to ask you about that for sure towards the end. But uh, okay. I'm curious to know <laughs> as well. Um, you know, you mentioned from an employee engagement standpoint with these loyalty programs and apps. Um, do you mean like keeping your business more modern and, and more of an interesting place to work? Exactly. Okay. So there's different things that we're playing inside the restaurant. So if you can, if you look at, if you take, if you take a, a look back in the last, you know, three years, we didn't have any kind of technology in play. But now we have an app and mobile ordering and we have loyalty and we have restaurants with artificial intelligence drive through and we have robotics in some restaurants. Like, we're becoming kind of the cool kids. Like who doesn't want to work for the cool kid place? And so really that is an, an enticement to keep our employees happy, number one, but also number two, to make us relevant with the different consumers, but also more importantly, the employees. Um, if you ask some of the restaurants that didn't have it before and have it now, like they understand how the technology makes their life easier. It's, it, adds, it takes away the complexity, which is what you want to hear from your, your teams. True. And it also makes the, the employee experience a little easier too when people can order on their app if they want. They're just picking things up and makes it more seamless. That's something we're seeing too here um, with Seven Shifts is just like the more modern businesses have these technologies both for employees and for guests. And it's like they're the ones that are leading the charge um, from a technology standpoint. Um, and I'm curious to know what you think too. I, I was talking to Danny Klein, editor of QSR FSR last week about this too. Um, loyalty programs and, and how maybe for independent restaurants, you know, they're maybe a little bit out of reach. You know, my neighborhood bar and grill is not going to go develop an app and have a rewards program and all of that. Um, but I'm curious from your perspective, what you think um, the smaller groups can learn from the bigger groups like yours when it comes to loyalty and how they can implement similar systems 
um, in, in more of a local setting? Yeah, I think a lot of the, the local bar and grills, you know, or other different restaurants or retail chains could actually run it all through their point of sale systems, right? A lot of the, the next generation point of sale systems already have a built-in loyalty engine. You look at the squares or the rebels or the toasts, right? They have built-in loyalty engines out of the gate that do service to single unit operators, right? It just gives some basic form of a loyalty or at least some basic knowledge. You can even tie it back into like Resi or OpenTable with reservation systems, right? To know who's coming back and the frequencies. There are ways to, to beat around the loyalty game against the big guys. But again, understanding a local consumer is more important than trying to compete with the, the 3000 store restaurant chain. I, I think that if you can, if you can leverage what you have in place, or if you don't, maybe there is an SMS loyalty system campaign out there that's off the, off the shelf. Maybe there is a, a tertiary solution that could be out there where somebody scans a QR code. You've seen them like it. I wouldn't even say I'm going to tip that card. It wouldn't be a good thing. Um, <laughs> Where it, it's a very off the cuff join now and you earn and burn and tie back to your credit card. Like there's different ways to do it. And I think everybody, if they really want to try to monetize that, should at least take a look at it. Again, it may not fit that business. I remember the old days, you know, you should walk into a bar and say, hey, Phil, you know, here's your bullet on the rocks. And you walk in and go, hey, Steve, how's it going? Like those kind of personal relationships and some settings can't be replaced with loyalty, but in some cases, places they can. But also those types of places I think are more, um, conducive to those relationships with with people, the the more informal, maybe offline versions of loyalty, right? That you can't necessarily replicate with technology. Something you mentioned, I'm curious. AR driven drive through. Tell me AI a little driven. bit more. AI, sorry, AI. Yeah, AR would be that'd be a little weird. Yeah, <laughs> can't receivables with a drive through, right? <laughs> my my finance guy is not like that. Might be kind of fun. Um, so. We're actually partnering with a couple different providers here around the nation, uh, both at the corporate and franchisee levels, that basically does artificial intelligence to the drive-through. So you pull up through a drive-through, you're actually not talking to a person. You're talking to a robot, in essence, or a voice that takes our voice, converts it to text or data, and injects it to the point-of-sale system. Think of you talking to Siri or your Google or your Alexa, and talking to it and placing an order, that's exactly the same kind of information we have going into our restaurants. And it's, there's, a, there's rather large restaurant chains are doing it now because of the mundaneness of going through a drive-through order for employees was an opportunity for us to, to re-engage our guests, but more importantly, kind of do labor savings or kind of do upsells or kind of have consistency. And the success has been amazing. Like the technology has evolved so quickly over the last several years with the advent of artificial intelligence and voice-to-text recognition, that it has really streamlined this whole new business line for a variety of different providers out there. And we're seeing some great benefits out of it. That's amazing too. And I think from an employee experience standpoint, like you said, you know, come work for, for us. You'll never have to take a drive-through order on a headset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? It, it, it's, it's true. Like we, we've actually surveyed our, our guests and our employees. Um, our guests love it because the order accuracy is there. Our employees even love it even more because the, the interaction is now gone. It takes away that mundane task and they can focus on what they do best, which is making the product and giving that smiling, warm face when you hand out the product out the window. Absolutely. Yeah. And not, not asking what, what'd you say? Let me repeat that yeah. over the radio the whole time. Exactly. Or the um, dude, where's my car at? Man. 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 <laughs> or dealing with that too. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. think about that. The people that like to prank, prank the drive through radio. Um, exactly. And, and robots too, you talked about, um, is this like the flippy thing or, or, or what's the, the use case I there? Mean, 
It's it's we we've talked to Misa, which is Flippy. We also have some different integrations on the beverage systems. You may have seen them at other QSRs, yeah, where they're automatically filling the the drink dispenser systems with your beverage of choice and ice and so forth. That's the kind of automation we're getting towards because again, it's a lot of the man- mundane tasks that can be replaced with robotics. Absolutely. So instead of trying to get a robot to flip burgers, get a robot to take orders and to uh, to fill drinks instead. Um, it's probably a little more uh, achievable in the short term and maybe a little bit more scalable too. It, it definitely is also a little more economical as well. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious too, like what, you know, with your background in technology, what's something maybe in, in the restaurant technology space that's really surprised you? Something you hadn't thought would be possible? That's a great question. I think anything's possible right now. I mean, especially coming out of COVID because so many different ways are are changing. I think that if you would have asked me five years ago, if a robot would ever take somebody's, you know, role in a restaurant, I probably would say no, because I'm thinking of my, my days back with, you know, Godiva, and that was more manufacturing and, and, and so forth. If you were to look at the next gen technology, I really think that machine learning in the kitchen operations will be the next big takeover, where the POS in essence goes away, Right, and everything goes through a true digital ecosystem ordering through your phone. So you have a, a, basically a counterless front of house, but the kitchen itself becomes the heart and soul of the business. So it can tell you forecasts, it can predict what's coming in, it can understand who's your loyalty member, it can tell you what products are turning, it can update digital menu boards. Like the kitchen display system becomes the heart because it can also then course meals, or it can then also. Um, modify order transactions coming in and say, hey, you've ordered for store one, but if you order for store three, it's faster by 10 minutes. Do you want to redirect to store three? Like that next generation stuff, I think is is on the cusp. I also think that camera technology has advanced so far where we can now understand, especially in the QSR, the geofencing location, when you hit a barrier of where's the most efficient way to get your product and order and food and understand wait times, like all that emerging technology is really all coming together, which I think is really, really cool. That's awesome. So shifting kind of the, the, the brain center of the restaurant from the POS to the KDS. So maybe, for example, you know, you fired your last, uh, I mean, I hope you don't run out of burgers, right? But let's, for, for example, say you fired your last cheeseburger. And then it just updates the menu board for you without you having to do anything about it. Like that would be maybe an example of, of that. Yeah. And then you take it into purchasing, right? Immediately saying, oh, no, I need to order four cases of product. And that goes right out to your Cisco or your US food automatically, right? And places the order for a drop shipment or when you hit criticality par levels, like it's all automated. So all the human basically there is producing the final food. And there's even technologies now that will scan the food before it gets going in the bag to make sure what's going in the bag is correct. Like it's, it's, it's blowing up inside the four walls, um, which is great to see. Um, I, I like the idea of having the more technology involved because it should make life easier. It should make life – technology should be a, a tool for evolution, you know, not, 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 not revolt <laughs> is a better way to say it. I feel you with that for sure. And just thinking about looking back and, and, you know, people worried about restaurant jobs being replaced with automation and things like that. But um, it seems like what I'm seeing from operators like yourself and, and the other ones on the cutting edge of technology, it's, it's leveraging the technology to make those mundane tasks, like you said, uh, not even a part of the role anymore to the point where hospitality work for the employee just becomes about the guest interaction, making a great 
experience for guests, you know, and not having to worry about some of all of that kind of like chore work and the mundane stuff and the ordering and, and the, all of that. Yeah. I mean, look at the airline industry. There's a great example of that entire ecosystem and eco life change, right? Yeah. Before we used to go walk to a gate agent or a travel agent or whoever it was and actually do all this interaction. Now we do it on our phone and talk to kiosks. Yeah. Right. If we have to have an interaction with somebody, that person's pretty happy behind that counter just to take your bag and say, here's a copy of your boarding pass. Have a great day and, and take off. I think that's what we're getting into with our, our industry shifting and, and pivoting. Now we, we do have, you know, we never want to have a technology replace a human. That's not our ever our intention. Our, our, the technologies are to enhance their, their role and enhance the, the guest experience altogether, all in one fell swoop. Um, if we do this correctly, everybody can win and play in the same four walls, right? And that's the overall, that's the overall goal we can do because the technology should be an enabler, not an inhibitor. And I, I'm a big believer in that, that, that phrase and have been following that for a long time. Absolutely. It's so funny you mentioned that. I just took a trip with some friends out to uh, to Yellowstone, actually. And, you know, I, we got on a plane. I scanned my boarding pass and I said, thank you to the person at the desk. And I walked on the plane and my friend said, why did you say thank you? You scanned it. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, if you think about you talk about your airline, I mean, you know, the pilots don't fly those planes, right? The, the, the computer flies it for most of the time. And Maybe they're just there just in case the computer has wants to take a break. I don't know. I'm not a pilot, but it, it's the same thing. It's you're kind of that it's it's the hospitality person in you and in utilizing that and giving somebody the 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 time and day just to have a smile and say thanks. It means a lot to people. Yeah. And you mentioned airlines and, and I like to ask this question because I'm so curious. Everyone has kind of a different opinion, but why is it that restaurants and hospitality seem to be so much further behind when it comes to tech tech adoption than other industries? I think it's mainly just in the states, to be honest with you. I've had the the privilege to travel the world in the previous in my previous role, and I really see other restaurants and other you know Asia Pac overseas, Europe, EMEA that really have restaurants far ahead of us in the United States. I think the U.S. itself is just behind adopting the technology. Um, I think if you go to you know any part of Japan or China, you'll see well, the next generation stuff for artificial ordering and robotics have already been played there for for years. We're just now catching up. Um, I just think here we're just always a little bit slower to to, to take the risk. We're more risk adverse. We kind of like our old ways. I remember back in the day when nobody ever wanted to have a credit card or a chip and pin, right? Or pay with your or pay with your phone. Like this stuff's been around forever over there, as you see. I, I really, I think it's just our lack of adoption hasn't been really forced upon us. And because of COVID, like everything, it kind of just forced our hand and was a catalyst for change and rapid adoption. So just kind of a, a more general slow to adopt here in the US. But yeah, like, you, see, you know, when QR codes started first started popping up early pandemic, you know, I remember reading articles like, well, they've been doing this in, in Asia for years. Like this has just been what it is. Order and pay at the table, you know, and that's how it's been. And I'm like, I had no idea. This seems so novel, but it turns out it's really not. We live in a very sheltered area here in the United States sometimes, <laughs> which is why everybody should go out and travel the world and experience yep. different dining and hospitality around because you might actually find something you can bring back home. Absolutely. And there's so much we can learn from from other other cultures and how they operate their restaurants. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Getting kind of close here to time, but um, you know, I'm curious, what are some things you're excited about on a, from a technology standpoint um, right now, something that you're like you know, maybe it's in the early stages, anything you can share, but like cool things that you're working on um, with CK, something you're excited about. 
Oh, I mean, honestly, I, I think I nailed the AI was is an absolute game changer for us. I mean, it's it's a hot topic at our board meetings. It's a hot topic at our franchise associations. Um, I've talked in a couple different panels and podcasts about it. Really, it's going to be the game changer for our industry as well as the, the robotics. I, I really am, though. I think the machine learning and big data. So we've also done some really great work. I have a couple amazing people on my team, Ryan Mollenkoff and Dave Collins, um, on the data science and the infrastructure on Snowflake and Tableau and Domo and all these different reporting utilities. So often in the past, the restaurant industry has been more about just reporting out, right? And not actually doing any kind of modeling. And so these kind of new tools where we can take all this tertiary data in from all the different systems and start modeling out and forecasting more accurately especially with the supply chain constraints and labor constraints and, you know, sales and inflation and all the other factors really gets us a better handle on our business. I think you add those three things together, the AI, the robotics and the, and the data science. I mean, that stuff that just, you talk about jazz hands. I get jazz hands just thinking about it. Like it's awesome. And somebody asked me, you know, uh, the other day, like what, what keeps you up at night? I'm like, you know, nothing worrisome keeps me up at night. It's all the exciting things that keep me up at night. Like, how can I learn more and absorb more and, and see where this can take our industry and more importantly, CK into the future? Absolutely. And and with the AI, beyond the drive-through, where are you looking at, impl- where, where are you seeing the use cases for implementing that? Uh, even on even in an app, right? Instead of actually using an app to order, like you open up that Carl's or Hardy's app and you, t- you, you call your order into the app and it places it for you. Even inside the four walls, Let's say somebody were to say, hey, on a headset, hey, 86, like we would 86 curly fries, right? To the headset, it then talks to the point of sale system, talks to the menu boards right? and reverses that flow. Or it says, hey, you know, back at office solution, order cheese and it orders a cheese. Like all these different things where it can go to is amazing in technology that's just now coming to our forefront. But in manufacturing, it's been there, right? It's been there in other parts of the world. We just haven't, we haven't really adopted it. And this is the opportunity for us too. And do you think the economics of that too, maybe more, it's more accessible for smaller restaurants or smaller groups? Manufacturing, of course, is a huge, huge industry problem compared to restaurants, but. I think the barriers of cost have come down to make it more affordable. I mean, also, again, I'm, I'm blessed to work for a large organization that has, you know, a funds able to do this. There's some smaller chains that love to do it, just can't afford it. So um, I sat in a panel at RFIS and uh, the gentleman at Cowboy Chicken said, we'll let you guys figure it out. And just let us know when it's ready to go so we can we can adopt it, which I love being in that position because then we can actually work with the providers to make a, a, an end-to-end solution for everybody to utilize, you know, whether it be QSR or all them fine dining. Uh, let me know when there's a SaaS company that can do it for me. Yeah, you got it. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds like a business idea, doesn't it? It does. Right? It's pretty good. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that offline. Um, but yeah. And then my last question really is, it's more like a pie in the sky, but, uh, you kind of alluded to it, but like, you know, 2032, that's 10 years from now. Right. Um, what do you think is going to be like the norm from technology? What are you excited? Like what's giving you, what's keeping you up at night, um, with those kind of like really big, huge possibilities. I, I think in 2032, and this is going to sound very science fiction, AI again, um, scary, is that you, you, your, your day-to-day thinking process about where you go to eat, how you eat, how you prepare your food will all be taken over by some kind of machine inside of your phone or your device that'll kind of plan your day for you. Like it'll know more about how you run your day. You go to the gym at 4 a.m., I get my coffee here, I get my lunch here, I need to order this. Like everything becomes so automated that it, it takes a human thought process out of it. 
I mean, I think we're going that route. I think even Elon Musk, you know, it, it talked about some of these things and that kind of that venture. I really do believe that that's where we're going as a society that we're leveraging so much on the convenience of having machinery or robotics or machine learning do so much for us that it'll eventually get into our day-to-day day-to-day lives as much more than it already is now. I'm probably embarrassing dating and exposing myself with this one, but it makes me think of an old cartoon. Um, it was a Jimmy Neutron, and he invented like oh, yeah. a drive-through where it just scans your tongue, and, it's, yeah. and it knows what you want to eat, and it just makes it for you. <laughs> yes, you know, it's just I, I was I, back in, back in a previous episode. I said I love to make a scratch and sniff app where you want to scratch <laughs> the app phone and smell like the cheesecake, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's almost like look at the Jetsons, right? They want to date Meyer. Like look at the Jetsons, who <laughs> were flying cars and living in the clouds, like. It's it's coming. Like it's it's just gotta you don't don't fight it, adopt it, but just realize that it has to be within um, moderation. What I don't want to do is have like iRobots running around and you know series five taking over the world, kind of a bad thing. Then we have a really apocalyptic time in our hands. Naturally, <laughs> we have we have bigger things to, to worry about than um, ordering burgers and, and things like that. But we, we definitely do. <laughs> yes, but take to take it back down to earth. I think just or well back back to twenty twenty two rather. Just like embracing the smaller innovations that we have, like you said, the robotics that are filling drinks, the AIs that are helping out with these things and, you know, not being afraid of them, really, and just kind of seeing what they can do for your business because it makes the employee experience better and it makes the guest experience better. Um, and it, it really just, it's not as scary as it may seem. Yeah. And, and again, I think it all goes back to the data. Understand and learn from your data. All these different points of data coming in, it's telling you a story. Sometimes it's harder to read the story, but just try to understand the story and make business decisions based off of true raw data. And with that, Phil, I think that's all the time we have for today. But um, I really do appreciate you coming on the show today, sharing so much about um, what you guys are doing and, and getting the conversation about all this exciting stuff going. My pleasure, Dominic. I enjoyed this conversation immensely. It was fun. Good. I'm glad. Awesome. Well, Phil, where can people find you um, if they want to learn more? Or, you know, are you going to be at upcoming shows or anything like that? Yeah, so I'll be at FS Tech uh, coming up. I'll be obviously at Mertech as well. Uh, I couldn't in the, in the later part of this year. You can always find me on LinkedIn under Phil Crawford uh, as well. Or you know, you see me on podcasts like this amazing one and check me out. Awesome. Thanks, Phil. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for checking out the Restaurant Growth Podcast presented by Seven Shifts. We're so grateful to our listeners and we'd love to hear from all of you. Send us an email to podcast at sevenshifts.com and check us out on social. We're at Seven Shifts on all platforms. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next week.